welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Mark Smith, and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. So this week marks the 400th episode of the exchange. You might remember that we marked number 100 with Ricardo Villalobos, 200 was with Sven Veit, and 300 was with Larry Hurd. For number 400, we've got Helena Hauf, a German DJ and producer who's taken the scene by storm over the past five odd years. She feels like an essential subject at this time. As dance music steadily becomes an ever more slick and cynical industry, Hauf feels like a beacon of authenticity. Her sound is marked by often ferocious strands of electro EBM and techno, but the uncompromising approach hasn't stopped her from becoming busier than many of her more palatable contemporaries. For a top flight DJ, she's remarkably relatable. She seems immune to the charms of fame, which has further endeared her to her fans and admirers. For someone with such a relaxed demeanor, you might think that all the success has come down to random chance. But Half has placed all her energy into getting where she is today, and as Will Lynch heard when he traveled to meet her at Hamburg, if it all ended tomorrow, she'd probably go back to working in a bar. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Helena Half is up next. So this is where you make your music, right? That's your studio in the next room. Yeah. Can you sort of paint a picture for me? When you're making a track, how does it kind of come together in terms of your routine? And what does the process look like, you know, if I was a fly on the wall? I kind of get started. I, I either have an idea already what I want to do, and then I try to get that into sound. Or I just start prattling around. And normally I start with drums or rhythm. And then I see where it takes me. When there's something there, then I start recording it. Mm. And yeah, so I jam and then I start recording it at some, some point. Am I right in thinking you have kind of like a tight array of machines that you like to use? Like you use the same uh, few machines on most of your stuff? Yeah, I, I don't have that much um, stuff. So I always use the same machines and try to get new sounds out of them if possible or... I don't have much space, so I can't. I, w- I would love to have more synthesizers, but I don't have more space. So. And what are your go-to devices back there? Uh, 808, an MPC 2000, Juno, Juno 60, and Alpha Juno. And a 33. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> I guess on a simple level, just what is it about 
those machines and also the kind of small, simple setup that works for you? It's pretty um, intuitive and very simple to use. And I, I started making music on a computer and I didn't really like it because I, I had too many options and I didn't really, it kind of confused me at the beginning. And then when I started buying machines, they, they're so limited that you can only really have one sound. And it, it really helped me to focus and um, get something out of them really quickly. It seems to me like you have kind of an interesting relationship with technology in the sense that there's some that you don't like and there's some that you have a very deep uh, affinity for. For instance, I've read you saying that you just kind of don't like computers, but then at the same time, it seems like machines have some kind of special magic for you. I don't know, would you say that's true? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I, I like machines, it's, it's true. I, I like technology, but I don't like all of it, like you said. I mean, I'm, I never really got into computers. I was at university and um, I did some, like a programming course, um, C++ programming, and I get it, but it's just not my thing at all, working with computers. I know it's probably the way I, I was brought up. I didn't have a computer up until 2007, which is quite late. So I had my first computer in 2007. What is it about the kind of you know, the essence of a machine or, you know, like a drum machine or a synth that kind of speaks to you or that, or that uh, appeals to you so much. Um, like, for instance, I read about a Doppler effect concert that you went to where they exited the stage and the music kept playing with no performers visible. And that yeah. sort of struck you in a way. What is it about that that, you know, kind of grabs you? I just thought that was a very nice picture like the machine taking over and the, the human isn't actually there anymore. I don't know what it is about machines. Sometimes it's 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 just the look of them. I'm going to be honest, like, I mean, sometimes I just like looking at them. I don't particularly like looking at computers unless they're really old. Though I don't, I don't really have like a retro fetish or anything like that. I don't know. I think it's more simple than that as well. Like I just never really got the knack of computers. I don't really understand how they work. And also the, the fact that you can do everything with them. I find it kind of confusing. And I think for making music, I just need limitations to keep focused. Me personally, I, I mean, it's, it's not a sound thing because I know so many people using computers making great stuff and it sounds fantastic. It's not that you can't get the sound of a computer or something. It's just the way you work with machines is completely different. I really like it. And the computer seems to interfere with with you too much. I, I feel like it's it's very distracting and the machines are just, they're just there. They, they give you something back, like you, you program them and sometimes there are sounds that you didn't expect coming out of the machines, which I find really interesting. You don't necessarily get that with a computer unless you programmed a mistake or like make it, made a mistake programming it, then you, you will get like, like a surprise. But in the machine, even if you don't make a mistake, there, there can be surprises and I find that quite interesting. It's almost like machines can kind of have a their own will or like a mind of their own kind of. Kind of, yeah. I mean, computers kind of do that as well because when you type something in a computer and you've got like a program that um, 
corrects your mistakes or not mistakes. I mean, when I write an email and this 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 program sets in and it's like correcting words and correcting names and it's actually making it wrong. It's like it obviously has a mind on its own and it's it's rather annoying. But um, <clears throat> I mean, sometimes it's helpful when you make a spelling mistake and it automatically corrects it. I was listening to your essential mix when I was on the way down here. And I had this thought that electro almost kind of seems like a, I don't know, you could say like a celebration of just machines themselves. Like it sounds utterly, utterly machine made or it's very, very mechanical, you know? Yeah, but it does sound computer made as well. I mean, a computer at the end of the day is a machine somehow. And I mean, a lot of, especially in electro, a lot of producers use computers and it's very tight, very, very, uh, what's the word, futuristic and stuff, you know? I think electro is a, I, I love it so much because I feel like it's a celebration of all the amazing things that humanity does. And at the same time, all the horrible things that we do like you know it's like really brutal and it's got this this sound of like destruction and stuff and at the same time it's got this futuristic like we're flying to into space we're flying to the moon we're, you know it's like it's got all those all those elements in in it that are very hu human yeah it's weird because on the one hand it's like machines are like a human achievement kind of or they reflect human ingenuity and whatnot but Yeah, listening to a set of pure electro, you almost kind of imagine a humanless world, or it feels like it's like a, a world of machines, a world of robots, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and also, I mean, we we build all those machines and we we build weapons and stuff, but we're, it seems like we're not really capable of controlling them. And I feel like that electro reflects that quite quite a lot, like this kind of all the great achievements of like humankind, and then we're we're just too stupid to control it we're too intelligent and too stupid at the same time somehow something that maybe makes you a bit of an outlier in club culture is um you uh, outspokenly dislike um like happy music or you know really um positive stuff when people are describing your music the words like dark gritty pete tong called it ear splitting <laughs> but then in the end it's also that's you know only within the world of uh club music like it is still fun dancing music but does it feel dark or um gloomy to you or does it just seem you know sort of ecstatic or you know how, or how does it how does it feel to you I guess I I don't know I mean I, I get that question a lot that sound that kind of sound or that kind of style of music just appeals to me it appeals to my ears <laughs> I just enjoy listening to it that's what I want to hear when I'm in a club that's what I want to dance to that's what makes me dance and all the all the other things just I don't I mean I don't like it I just don't like that kind of funky happy sounding stuff I just hate it <laughs> does it ever make you feel kind of out of place like at certain gigs or in certain yeah clubs? totally of course I mean yeah it, it happens to me a lot that I have to start playing after like someone just playing happy disco music for two hours and I'm like what the hell am I going to do I'm just so far away from it it's it doesn't really make any sense to me I mean I, I see why people are into both sides of 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 dance music but I'm not <laughs> but it seems like that uh you know you're you're pretty willing to stick to your guns like it's hard to imagine you coming on after someone playing disco in house and 
playing this starting off with a disco track or something you would you know. not really i mean I, I i try to honestly i try to i listen to it a lot and i i bought like house records and stuff and i really tried to get into it and tried to understand it and for a while i was kind of into it i mean hamburg has got lots of like house and stuff and it's like the scene is or used to be quite quite big and vibrant and it the parties were always great, so I loved being there. Um, but I just realized it's not my thing. I don't I don't get it. It's just, it's not me. The first time I saw you play was probably five years ago or something like that at this point um, at Golden Poodle. And you played back-to-back with D Cosmo from Lux Rec. Uh, oh, you were there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> but that one, it was interesting. Yeah, cause... I, rem- I remember you did the interview with the poodle people and stuff and you were there. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, we never met or anything though. Anyway, it was funny because that was like pretty much my first impression of you. And my memory, at least, is that the music was like almost everything had uh, vocals and choruses and stuff. Like it was all like kind of dark wave um you know, dusty old uh, synth music, but I'd never heard, my friend and I were saying, we never really heard a, a club set like that, that it was, that um, there were hardly any uh, sort of standard club tracks that all seemed, it was hours and hours of these strange sort of shadowy synthy pop records or something. And then it was kind of interesting when the Helena Hauf that um, I came to know, uh, had quite a different sound. Or I guess it's still the same kind of universe, but... I did a back-to-back set with someone's all. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, actually, something I was wondering then was, like, it was a long night, and I didn't recognize anything except DeCosmo Cosmo played uh, Pet Shop Boys, but aside from that, I didn't recognize anything you played. Um, <laughs> still hold that against I him. <laughs> Sorry, but, um, I just fucking hate him. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I was wondering then on the dance floor, and I still wonder now, how had you amassed all that music? Or how do you have hours and hours of, you know, strange, unrecognizable synth pop? Or, you know, how, how did you um, find all this stuff that, that now makes up your kind of uh, signature sound? Minimal wave release, a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't just play, like, synth pop and wavy stuff. We played a lot of that kind of little bit, dreamy wavy acid house thing like like in the style of his label of uh daniela's label um looks and there are there's so many records out there releasing stuff like that i mean now you know it's we, we played some old stuff but we played a hell of a lot of new records as well and um you just have to search for records I mean it's like that's that's what DJs do I suppose it's like I I just spend hours and hours on like trying to find new stuff online or in record shops mm. or being with people and then you you show music to each other and you're like do you know this do you know this yeah sure um so you started producing like not super long ago like five years ago or something like that I started producing 2008 but I kind of stopped and then I started buying um, hardware in like 2010, 11. And I started making music with FX from, from Hamburg. We did the Black Sides project. And uh, we both were kind of at the beginning of, of learning how to make music. It was kind of cool to be two people and yeah, figure it out together. 
type thing. And that all came, it was sort of like, if I understand it correctly, you're in school and you had a realization that you wanted to make music instead of analyze. You were studying music. And- I, I was at art school at the time, actually. I studied fine arts and I don't know, I didn't really get it. And I, I was into going clubbing and I was like, I want to be a DJ. I don't know. I want to paint pictures. I'm all right. Thanks. I want to be with people and play records and stuff. And then I thought, okay, I have to study something because they tell you you have to do something and you have to have an education, which is true. You have to, <laughs> but um, don't take my advice. Don't, don't think like you, you don't, you shouldn't have an education, but like I'd, I thought like, okay, you have to study something. I realized I can't do it. I'm not interested. So I stopped, but it's probably not the way you should go. I was just lucky that it ended up here. <laughs> but yeah. So what was that process like of kind of beginning to make music? Like how did you, uh, how did you learn about the technique or how did you learn about the machines? And I just bought them and played around with them and saw where it took me type thing. I mean, I didn't, I never read a single manual, which you don't necessarily need for the machines that I've got. Was right? it hard to, um, <laughs> sorry, was it hard to amass, um, kind of the gear you needed to properly make music, like to make a record or, you know, cause a lot of stuff's kind of, uh, expensive and if, you know, how, how did you sort of get to the point where you had a studio set up? I mean, the first thing a friend of mine from the Liber Detail label, uh, he sold me a 303 and I got an MPC. It's it's still not mine. <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever have to give it back to this guy, but he never asked for me to give it back to him. So I don't know. Um, I didn't buy it. He just gave it to me. He's like, yeah, you can have it for a while, which is like eight years now. So I had a sampler and a synthesizer basically and that's two things you can make music with already and then the rest just came came later and how'd your first record come together it was on actress's label work yeah. discs um how did that connection happen or how, and how the whole thing i i met actress he he played in in uh hamburg at prinzenbar which is like a small club i don't i don't know if there's anything going on now anymore yeah, I played support for actors and then a year later he, uh, his label manager got in touch and they wanted me to play the record release party for, for his album in London at Plastic People. Yeah, that was that. Was that. But I was actually already in touch with um, Bunker Records and they already had the, the tracks. Like my, my, my Bunker release was supposed to come out before the, the other one. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it just took longer, so yeah. At the time, were you surprised at all that, I mean, it's kind of a killer debut to be on Actress's label? I mean, did it seem like it was, did it feel like it was happening fast? Or were you surprised at sort of how well it was going? I was kind of surprised, yeah. I didn't really think it was going to be so quick. And I didn't think it was going to be Actress liking my stuff either. Because I was, you know, like Bunker didn't really surprise me because that's the kind of stuff I was making. You know, like Acid Techno. And actress, yeah, that kind of surprised me. But I, yeah, I don't know. In general, you sort of uh, had kind of like a stellar rise. And especially considering you, you got started on it all like not that long ago. I guess it might be kind of a weird thing for you to answer. But I'm just kind of wondering, like, what what's driving that momentum? Or like, do you have, um, you know, crazy work ethic? Or are you very 
determined person? Or I think it's a mixture between a few things. One is being lucky, right time, right place. I played support for actress. If I would not have done that, then I don't know. You know, maybe I wouldn't wouldn't be here. And then also, I was obsessed. I am obsessed, but I was obsessed with uh, DJing. I mean, and making music, but DJing definitely. Like when I when I first got my turntables, I couldn't stop. Like every day, I was on there trying things, trying to get better. And uh, I think you have to be a bit crazy to get into this. I mean, this it's not like you just play some tunes and. <laughs> you get into it you know like I, I was I was obsessed I wasn't doing anything else that's that probably helped and it seems like you really dove in like um you quit school did you have like a job or anything else at the time or were you just completely dedicated to this whole thing um I had a bad job to I mean you have to make money somehow but that is kind of cool you know like if if you work work in a nightclub or something it kind of you, you have a lot of time to make music and stuff and it's at night and it doesn't interfere with your your other things like DJing and stuff you're quite flexible you know you get a gig and you can say oh can I work on Monday instead of Saturday or something you know right. and you you attended bar at Golden Poodle right yeah um in general was that what was it like kind of being part of that community or did they does that too feel like kind of a a stroke of luck Probably, yeah. I mean, I started DJing there before I started bartending. <laughs> but yeah, I met a lot of um, really cool people there that um, that are very inspiring. Or yeah, I mean, it's it's good to have a community to to share music with people and to kind of yeah, you can't do it on your own. I mean, I'm I'm a very social person also, and um, you can't just sit at home and wait for things to happen. You have to be out there and meet people and um, having this community is quite obviously quite good. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it seems like there's often an element of cosmic luck or something, like just that you would be in the same city as Golden Poodle, um, where there's kind of a you know perfect venue that hardly exists anywhere else for the kind of stuff you want to play. That's hard to imagine. Yeah, t- t- Right, but I mean, it's it's not necessarily like cosmic luck or anything like that. It's you know, for for a lot of people, it doesn't work out at all, and they live in Hamburg, and they try really hard. You know, it's like it it looks like that when you look back at it. But um, that's that's with all those success stories. You know, you you look at them and you're like, oh, everything fell into place. But that is like one success story, and then one hundred unsuccessful stories. You know, where everything looked like it was gonna fall into place and it just simply didn't. Of course, it helped to have that place. I mean, no question. I don't know if I was somewhere else in a different con- country or something, it would might have been much harder. But then I was, as I said, I was obsessed with it. So I would have probably tried to find those places. I mean, the places didn't necessarily find me. I, f- I found those places as well, you know. I went out and searched for them. When you said you were seeking those places out, what do you mean by that exactly? Like, you just had this idea in your head of something you wanted to hear and you were searching for it? I, yeah, totally. I mean, I I kind of got into this kind of club thing 
as I said, I was obsessed. I just needed to. I was going out pretty much every night to to some place to meet people to hear music, and then when I started DJing, I tried to play as much as possible. I played every everything in every small bar in every festival where people made me stop because they didn't like the music I was playing. I mean, it's. I just had to do this. I I really wanted to do this. And did it all start with that kind of epiphany in art school, or um, I don't know, were you in were you doing music when you were younger at all, or did it start with the with the DJing thing? Mm, it kind of started with the DJing thing. I learned. I, well, I learned. I, I tried to learn how to play the piano and the violin when I was a child, and I was really really bad at it. Um, the last time I picked up my violin, I, I tried to play and the string hit me straight into the eye and I was like, okay, I am never going to touch that fucking instrument again. Not good, really. And I, I'd never thought that music was going to be my way because I was really, really bad at it. But I was when, when I was a child, I used to record loads of stuff onto cassette tapes. I know that a lot of people at the time did that because it was the easiest way to listen to music when you're like with your Walkman or something mm. or share music with people or whatever you you did but I, I did it quite obsessively and um, I mean you you could call those tapes mixtapes I mean it's, it is a, it is somehow a DJ mix but not not really but it's probably that was probably the start you're still kind of expressing yourself with other people's music kind of or with yeah yeah I mean it was it was for my own home listening purposes and I, I, I didn't think of it as as any any kind of an art form or anything like that but um it was probably looking back it was probably the start I was doing stuff with music and I was enjoying it and I was spending time doing that kind of thing uh what kind of music was it back then it was mainly guitar music like what so, kind of stuff Nirvana and uh the Cure, some terrible things. I remember, like, I was into Franz Ferdinand and the Stooges and Queens of the Stone Age and Caius and that kind of stuff. Was there a turning point where you kind of, like, got bitten by this, you know, this bug of the music that you like now? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed electronic music when I was younger, when it was on, on telly, when they had, like... On, on Viva when they played like the Love Parade and uh, some electro clash. I remember seeing the Hacker and Miss Kitten on, on MTV or something. And um, I liked that, but I didn't know what it was. And then the first time I, I really I really got into, into it was when I bought a CD by Radioactive, um, Radioactive Man, mm. his first album. And that was like, oh my God, okay, this is... This is it. I that that's that's all I want. This is this is the best thing ever. <laughs> like I was like, oh my god, this is great. And yeah, that was probably somehow a start. Mm. I was playing that. That was the only CD I had back then, and I was playing that over and over and over again. You can't imagine how many times I played that CD. It was crazy. Or do you have a feeling of why it kind of uh, struck you so dramatically? Um, because it's exactly what I'm into now. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of weird. I found something by accident that is exactly my taste, which I still have. Mm. I was searching for other things. I was listening to other music, but this is what I came back to. And, um, it's 
probably yeah lucky accident it's just it's just totally my thing and uh yeah i don't know i mean i think it's something that is kind of different about you as a dj is so on the one hand like i was saying earlier there's you actually you play a pretty broad range of stuff but there's also such a consistent spirit to what you play like um what you're saying is your thing is i feel like that's much clearer for you than it is for a lot of other DJs. You know, just there's such a particular kind of uh, atmosphere and energy or whatever. And also your willingness to kind of stick to it. Um, Even though, like you said earlier, there were times when people screamed at you to get off the decks or whatever. Do you consider yourself kind of like a, a stubborn or defiant person? Or is that way of kind of um, sticking with what you like no matter what the reaction is, is is that like a quality you have in general, would you say? I I don't know. It's with music. I mean, you can play me 10 seconds of a of a track and I can tell you whether I'm going to like it or not. Sure. Pretty much. I mean, I, I think a lot of a lot of people are like that actually, but I'm I'm very much like that. I couldn't play anything that I didn't really like. So I always just played what I was into and I mean, at the beginning, you try to find things and you, you know, it takes time till you really understand what it is that you like and you try things out. And sometimes it it takes time to understand things as well. Sometimes you have to listen to a record more than just once to understand how good it is. So I might have played things in the past that I would now think like, ooh, like why, why? But at the time it was like new and it felt right and stuff. So it, it takes time to kind of like create your own style or something. Mm. But yeah, I could never play anything that I didn't really like. So I had to stick to to what I was into. And sometimes, I mean, when I started, that wasn't necessarily that popular. So I, I, I mean, it, it still isn't necessarily that popular if you if you're no one and you're you're booked as a warm-up dj somewhere and you play 140 bpm electro and it's a tech house party you're just not right (laughs) i mean it's not gonna it's not gonna work is it so have you been that person though like back in the day that happened yeah i mean i I would i wouldn't necessarily i would have probably tried to play stuff out of my collection that is a little more like the rest you know, like try to to fit in. I never tried to play something that didn't fit just for the sake of it or anything, right. you know? Like I, I would always try to kind of adapt, but within my sound, within yes. what I've got. And sometimes it just, it doesn't work. Um, so you're a 100% vinyl DJ, right? Yeah. Yeah, we just a month or so ago published an article about yeah. kind of how hard that is. Um how do you find it out there? Uh, how, how much of a challenge is it for you? I feel like it's getting a little bit better, but that might be because I'm higher up on the lineup and on the bill and maybe people, people are like, well, if Helena can't play, that's pretty bad. <laughs> you know, she's the headline. So we have to take a little more care about the, the, the setup or something. I feel like it's getting a little bit better, but I do get into trouble every now and then. Um, mainly feedbacking problems. Have you had like a particularly, did you ever like have a disastrous? Um, oh, yeah. oh yeah. What's what's like an example of something going really bad? Um, 
I remember I played this one festival and I put the needle on the turntable uh, on the on the record and the needle didn't even stay on there. Like the 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 feedback was so and the vibrations were so heavy, it just went immediately. And um, they came and they had some um, concrete blocks. I don't know where they weren't under the turntables already. They had those concrete blocks there. They put them under the turntables. The left turntable absolutely fine solved the problem the right must have been too close to the base or something right turntable still the same problem needle was gonna go like immediately and then I started playing on just one turntable and announced the records <laughs> like I'm gonna play this one next and then then they had more concrete blocks and then they brought a couple more concrete blocks in and then the right one worked as well but it, I only had one hour to play so till that was figured out I, I a mix, two records, and then they were like, I'm very sorry, but we have to close now. <laughs> this is the end of the party. I was like, this is great. Um, I have had it once where I just stopped, where I said to the to the other DJ, I was like, do you want to keep on playing? He was like, all right. Because um, it didn't work, and the sound guy said to me, I would just turn the volume right down. I was like, that's not really a solution. And it, it depends when it's when I feel like they're trying their best to make it work. I try my best to deal with the situation. And if it's just playing one record at a time and announcing the next one and playing with one turntable, I'm going to do it. But if, if I feel like someone's not really trying and so sound people being really arsy, what am I supposed to do? Sure, yeah. Um, in those moments you know, where it becomes quite challenging. Do you ever think like, fuck it, I should just use a USB stick or or what or what makes it worthwhile um, even in those moments? I, I don't know. I think it's just my love for records. I just, it's my thing. I, when I, when I started DJing, it wasn't actually, it wasn't just about the music. It was about the music, but it wasn't just about the music. It was about the medium as well. It was about turntables. I, just love working with them and I still do and I can't see myself using CDs I, it confuses me I, I can't remember any track titles like how on earth am I going to find anything with this little wheel and the I, I, I can't remember names you know I can only remember records but I can't remember names I don't know what I'm playing I wouldn't want to do it just as simple as that and normally there are quite simple solutions to make the turntables work I mean quite often it happens that I start and there is feedbacking and I realize it's not working you can always take like empty water bottles and crush them a bit and put them underneath in most cases it solves the problem I have done it with empty uh, plastic glasses uh, you know like drinking glasses and crushed them and put them on it worked it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always work. It's not always the solution. If you only play for one hour, then there isn't really that much time to yeah. to to find solutions. But you can find them, and it's not that difficult to set up turntables if you have a little bit of an idea. I mean, there can always something happen. I mean, sometimes the Fitch Pater um, isn't stable, and you you just realize that you you can't mix as tight as you normally because it's 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 yeah it's like erratic and it's you, you can see it on the on the lights as well and stuff um if it's not too bad you can work with it of course you're not going to be as tight as you normally are but you can work with it it seems to be fine normally i try to have a sound check if i can if i have time for it 
and it seems to be okay at most places, but then every now and then you do get into trouble. You mentioned earlier that a kind of, I guess you say a luxury that you have now is that if you get to a certain level of, I guess you could say popularity, um, you're taken seriously enough that something like um, playing only vinyl and also playing the music that you play, um, you know that people will kind of accommodate you, I guess. Was it hard getting there or was there a long time where it, you know, it did, and it still does sometimes. I mean, um, as I said, sometimes you're booked right, uh, wrong, wrong time, wrong place. Sometimes the turntables still don't work. I mean, I just just the other day, I had a had a problem. It was just like a table in the middle of the room, and people were bumping into it. And it's like it's not going to work, you know. And yeah, there were parties where it was really difficult, and I didn't enjoy myself. And and it still happens sometimes, but it's it's part of it. I mean, you can't it can't always be brilliant. I mean, that's when it's a job, you know. Like when something doesn't work, I'm like, okay, this is my job. <laughs> I just have to get through. And I mean, it seems like you have a pretty good attitude about um, like not not getting too thrown off by. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I'm there, I, I get really pissed off, and I'm really really hard and. In, in hiding it you know you can always tell by my face when I'm really really pissed off you can you can definitely tell I can't do anything about it it's just that's the way it is as long as they pay me I'm all right but the good thing is like now I turn up and the people that come to the party normally want to actually hear what I do rather than the other way around <laughs> so that's a uh, kind of like a clear advantage of um you know being the kind of act that people come to see specifically is you can just be yourself and that's what everybody wants or you know it seems like you have more artistic freedom kind of yeah on on one hand yeah on the other hand then you get booked with even bigger people and then again you're just like not the one that people paid the ticket for you know but it's like yeah I, I, I don't know it's it's just one of those things sometimes it goes really well and everything's great and Sometimes it's just not, and it's okay. It's just the way it is. And everybody, every DJ knows that, I guess. It seems like maybe it doesn't bother you too much, like the idea of, you know, presenting something that not everyone will like straight away. Um, like I always thought a lot of, you know, a lot of club music is uh, literally, you know, kind of designed to be liked, um, whereas what you do kind of has a little bit more of a, take it or leave it attitude of like, this is my thing. Um, maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Um, I don't know, is, is that how it feels to you? <clears throat> I know what you mean. But the thing is, I find the stuff that is designed to be liked way more offending, offending than the other stuff. Sure. Like if something just is just there without really wanting anything, without really being anything, without really trying anything, when it's just like this, this thing of one bass drum the whole way through like on one tempo everything sounding the same with a little bit of like poppy melody I find that rather annoying to be honest and you know people say like oh yeah everybody can kind of like that it makes me so angry like I, I don't think I mean I, there must be other people out there that find that rather offensive <laughs> but I know what you mean it's yeah. probably like I'm a bit weird you know, you sort of, to me, feels pretty quick. Went from just doing 
like your residency at Golden Poodle and whatnot and kind of being, it seems to me like sort of like a local phenomenon to, you know, playing festivals, um, doing the essential mix and winning the, being awarded best essential mix of the year. Has there been like a difficult side to that or this kind of uh, level that you're on? Does it, does it, what are the complications that, that come with it? Or, or was there maybe something that was easier before that's harder now? No, it's it's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's probably like if if anything, but I don't know. Actually, people probably expect you to be absolutely perfect every time because there must be a reason for you being so big. <laughs> so you have to be really good. And it kind of puts pressure on you, or can put pressure on you. But then... I'd, I'm I'm not sure that pressure might have been on 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 me even before. You know, it's it's a different kind of pressure. You have to prove yourself and have to be like, look, I am actually really good at this. And now it's like, oh, you yeah, you know, I'm really good at this. You you want proof that I really am. It's like it's 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 more or less the same thing probably, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you just have to. Sometimes I feel like you have to deliver every time and. Sometimes you're a bit tired and the set is not going to be as perfect or sometimes like the turntables don't work and the set is not going to be as perfect and most people wouldn't um, know what's wrong. Like especially the, the, the record thing, they don't, they don't necessarily see it. I mean, if, if there are like needles jumping, it's quite obvious, but then if, if the pitch fader isn't stable, no one's going to gonna really notice that. It's just like, oh, mixing isn't very, very tight or something, you know. And... Um, I think people expect the higher you level you're on, the the better you must be, and it obviously doesn't necessarily work like that. Right. I have a much better time now than I did five years ago, because people come to see me and wanna wanna hear what I do, and that's great. Does it uh, feel weird to you at all that um, you know you would find, you know, in some cases, kind of like a mainstream audience, like? Uh, like the BBC Essential Mix, like, um, is it surprising that, you know, there turns out to be such an audience for, for what you do? Well, I don't think the BBC audience necessarily liked my mix. <laughs> you know, that was the the people from the magazines and stuff, they liked it. <laughs> um, I, I don't think, I think there were quite, <coughs> sorry, quite a few people out there that just absolutely hated my mix. And that's fine. I mean, how, I, 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 I can't expect like everybody to like it. I know it's, it's, it's not what we talked about earlier. It's not as easy to, to listen to like other things. And if you if you like easy listening music, then you're probably not going to like what I do. It's too much. And um, but still, you know, just that the BBC wanted you to do one is is already. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean. I I I love the music a lot and I think it deserves a wider audience and I think it deserves more attention because it's great music and so I think if something like the essential mix can can do that and gets if if it can get some some more people to get into this kind of sound then I think that's that's pretty cool. Basically there are a few things with kind of like your approach to being a DJ that sort of seem like basically go against like the conventional wisdom or whatever there are certain ways we are like just kind of uncompromising and but it works out quite well like the music that you play is sort of like an unfiltered version of just like what 
you love or it seems that way. And then you don't bother with um, social media and stuff simply because you just don't want to. And many artists would find that an obligation, but you just don't do it and it works out fine. And is that all just kind of like going with your gut? Um, or Pretty much, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I make up the rules and I follow them. You know, I like, if I, if I want to do something, I do it. If I feel like, nah, I don't really like that kind of thing, I'm not going to do it. And I don't necessarily have like a an explanation or an argument for or, or against something. I'm just like, doesn't feel right. Don't want to do it. Don't want to be involved. Or, um, yeah, why not? Let's do it type thing. And um, so, yeah, it's probably, yeah, just going by my guts. So you're very much in this, you know, kind of dove in the deep end and even a full-time artist. Um, and now this is just what you do. What would happen if it all ended tomorrow? Or, what, you know, what would you do next? Nothing. <laughs> I, I don't really think about the future much. I just do things and see what happens. I don't have a plan B. Like, if this is over tomorrow, I would probably start working at some kind of bar again to make money and be unemployed, get money off the government. (laughs) 